All right, we will be in Proverbs chapter 4 today, Proverbs chapter 4. As we were last week, this is the 10th in our message in our series of messages in the book of Proverbs. Been preaching kind of through these first number of chapters, and we'll be in chapter 4 again today. About uh, 10 years ago, in the fall of the year, uh, I was driving from our house up here to Hart Butte, and uh, down at the end of the Birch Creek Road, a fellow was sitting in his pickup looking around, and he sort of waved me down. I noticed he had out-of-state license plates. I think it was Wisconsin or, Mich- or, or uh, Minnesota, but I don't remember uh, for sure which one of those. It was a fairly new four-door outfit he had with a slide-in camper in the, in the pickup bed. I rolled down my window, asked if he needed help. He looked like he was sort of lost, and he said, uh, Do you live around here? I said, Yes, just down the road. He said, I'm looking for the road that goes over the mountains. I said, U.S. Highway 2? No, 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 he said. I know where that road is. I'm looking for the road that goes right from somewhere around here all the way over the mountains. And he kind of pointed to a distant lane that goes west there past Stones. He said, is that it? I said, "Uh, no. That uh, road goes west a mile or so. It turns into a two-track trail and then takes you eventually back to Swift Dam. Well, he said, where's the road that goes all the way over the mountains around here? I said, that would be U.S. Highway 2. He looked at me like I was hiding something and like I was a a local who was trying to hide something from an out-of-stater. And he says, no, 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 no. There is a road that goes all the way over the mountains around here somewhere, and it's not Highway 2. I said, that, that's very interesting. I said, uh, do you have a map that shows it? Oh, no, he said, it's, it's, it's not on a map. I was told by a reliable source that there was a road around here that goes all the way over the mountains. I said, well, there are trails that go all the way over the mountains, uh, and a Forest Service map will show you those. But most of what you're looking at up west here is wilderness area, and there are no motorized vehicles allowed, and there's no actual road, even gravel, that goes all the way over the mountains that you could drive your outfit on besides Highway 2. I said, you'd have to be horseback to cross all the way over the mountains, or you'd need a four-wheeler if you could go north around the wilderness area, but there's nothing around here that you could drive your pickup on all the way over the mountains. He kind of looked at me like, oh, you're lying to me. I, you know, and he said, well, thanks anyway. There is a road that goes all the way over the mountains around here somewhere. And he rolled up his window and he drove away. Do you know of one? I don't. <laughs> so anyway, I don't think he ever found his secret road over the divide, but he was certainly convinced that it was there somewhere. And he was determined to take his big pickup with the slide-in camper, and he was going to drive it all the way over the mountains, uh, as lost or, mist- or, or misguided as he may be. And you know, as I thought about that story again this week, I thought every, every single one of us is on a road to somewhere. We may be lost. We may think there's a secret road somewhere. We may not really know where we're going, but we are on a road. 
We're on a pathway. We're on a life trail. Jesus spoke very plainly about this in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, well-known verse that you, you know about. Matthew seven thirteen and 14. Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. As someone wisely observed, thinking about old songs, he said, being that there is a highway to hell and just a stairway to heaven indicates the expected amount of traffic. Some folks are on the highway to hell. Others are on the narrow road that leads to eternal life. And this principle of the path, as it's often called, is is a well-known Bible theme. There are two roads, two paths, two directions, two destinations. We call it the principle of the path. Nothing new about it. People have known about it and talked about it and preached about it for years, uh, for, for, for centuries. An old-time hymn writer, Isaac Watts, wrote a poem about the principle of the path back in the 1700s. He called it, Broad is the Road. He said, Broad is the road that leads to death, and thousands walk together there. But wisdom shows a narrow path with here and there a traveler. Deny thyself and take thy cross is the Redeemer's great command. We must count this world as loss if we would gain the heavenly land. Lord, let not all my hopes be vain. Create my heart entirely new, which hypocrites can ne'er attain, which false apostates never knew. It's the principle of the path well known to Solomon, and he taught it to his son in these verses we're going to read 3,000 years ago, the principle of the path. Let's look at verse 10 of Proverbs chapter 4, and we'll read up to verse 19. Proverbs four ten through 19. Hear, my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered, and when you run, you will not stumble. Take firm hold of instruction. Do not let go. Keep her, for she is your life. Do not enter the path of the wicked, and do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they do not sleep unless they have done evil, and their sleep is taken away unless unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. This life principle, I think, is so obvious that we often miss it. It makes so much sense. And it's so obvious that we often overlook it or just ignore it. And that is simply this. The road you are on determines your destination. The direction you are going determines where you end up. Now that seems so incredibly obvious that we would think everyone would get it. And for we who drive so much here in rural Montana, that just seems almost laughably obvious. If you go up north here to Highway 2 and you turn left to go west, you're headed to Kalispell, obviously. If you turn right to go east, you're headed to Cutbank. 
Now you can turn east and you can think you're going to Kalispell, but you're never going to get there. You're going the wrong direction. You, you keep going long enough in the wrong direction and you're going to end up in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan and Highway 2 is going to end. If you're going east on Highway 2, you will never, ever, ever get to Kalispell unless you turn around. That seems so obvious to we who drive a lot around here. But you know what? If, if, if you want God's wisdom and you want God's blessing, you have to be on the right path going the right direction. It's the principle of the path. The broad road leads to destruction. The narrow road leads to life. There are two trails. They both have a destination. You can't travel the wrong road and get to the right destination. It never works. It cannot work. It will not work. And if you are on the wrong road, the only way to reach the right destination is to turn around. You know, interestingly, that's the concept behind repentance. The New Testament word repent or repentance means to change your mind or to change your thinking. You're headed one direction and you turn around. You say to yourself, I'm going the wrong way. I better turn around before I wind up in total ruin. I'm headed for disaster. I better turn around. It's the principle of the path. The road you are on determines your destination. The direction you are going determines where you end up. And so Solomon tells his son in these verses, My son, hear my words, he says, and receive my sayings, and the years of your life will be many. I have taught you in the way of wisdom. I have led you in right paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. He says, I, he says I'm, I'm telling you, my son, listen to what I'm saying, and you will have a blessed life. I have led you in the right paths, and if you stay on this path, you're going to experience open doors and confidence and strength. That's what I see when I see in verse 12. When you walk, your steps will not be hindered. When you run, you will not stumble. You're going to have open doors that God is going to open for you. You, you are going to have confidence because you're not going to stumble. You're going to have the strength to walk that trail. You're going to have unhindered steps and you're going to run without stumbling. So he says, the way of wisdom is your life, my son. Hang on to it and, and stay on the path. Interestingly, the word path in verse 11 is kind of a unique word. We have it here. He said, I have led you in right path, he says in verse 11. It, it's, much, it's a much stronger word than our general understanding of a path in English. We think of a path in English, we think of a, a, a walking trail that most of the grass has died on because of the foot traffic. But this particular word, it's used maybe 10 or 12 times in the Old Testament. Solomon uses it six times in the book of Proverbs. It has the idea of a wagon trail making ruts or grooves cut into the ground from wagon traffic. Solomon uses it six times in his lectures to his children. He used it three times in chapter 2. He uses it twice in chapter 4. He uses it once again in chapter 5. And that concept... Of, of those ruts you know, on that trail, of cutting those grooves, that, that is the concept of habits. If you do something over and over and over again, you say, well, I'm kind of stuck in a rut. Well, you know what? If it's a rut of holiness, then that's terrific. If you are stuck in a rut of godly living, of right living, that is wonderful. Habits of holiness are beautiful and blessed. 
We should be developing habits of holiness. And habits of holiness are beautiful and blessed. And Solomon tells his son, I have led you in the right habits. I have created some some ruts of godly living that you can follow. So he says, my son, get in those tracks, those ruts, and stay there. Don't veer off and get off of that trail. There's a very clear trail I have left for you, my son. He said, I've cut the grooves right into the ground because I've done these things over and over and over and over again. I've developed these godly habits. And he said that those ruts are right there in front of you. So get in that track, my boy, and do it and keep going. And verse 14 and 15, critical verses for understanding how to stay on the path of wisdom. How do you stay on the right road? You know, often we as believers in Christ think or get to thinking that we are so insulated against evil that we don't really need to be isolated from evil. That's not really a biblical view. The people that we hang with, the activities we're involved with, they, they can hurt us spiritually and they can lead us down the wrong path. And we get to thinking, so many followers of Jesus get to thinking that, you know, we know the Lord, we know some scripture, we're strong enough to handle a little worldliness. You know, just a little dabbling in this or that, not much, not much, just, just a little. I can handle it. It won't get me. I'm strong. I'm, I'm insulated. That, that icy grip of evil is not going to grab me. I'll just, just a little bit won't hurt. I mean, you know, if I'm too isolated, people will think I'm weird. So I'll just try to be insulated. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not advocating that you go live in a cave somewhere. I'm not advocating that you go hide from the world and never have any contact with unbelievers. You cannot totally disconnect yourself from the world, nor should you. The Apostle Paul told the Philippian church to be blameless and harmless children of God. He said, without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom we shine as lights in the world. That's Philippians 2.15. Great verse. He said, be blameless and harmless children of God. Without fault. He said, you're in the middle of a crooked and perverse generation. You're shining as a light of the world. So, so he said, so he said, walk the path, live a holy life, shine as a light of the holiness in a dark world, Paul told the Philippians and other, other verses we could quote as well. You see, we, we are surrounded by sinful attitudes and godless behavior. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we are right smack in the middle of it. But in order to shine as lights in the world, there are some things that we should not do. There are some places we should not go. There are some activities we should not be involved in. There are some things we should not watch. There is some language we should not use. If we are going to be blameless and harmless children of God, shining as lights in the world. So Solomon tells his son, look at verse 14. Do not enter the path of the wicked. He said, don't don't even start down that road. Don't don't even enter the path of the wicked. He said, don't walk in the way of evil. Don't walk the path of sin. Don't even go that direction. And then in verse 15, we see four very powerful action words that should describe our response to temptation. He says, avoid it, do not travel on it, turn away from it, and pass on. I like to put it this way, avoid it, don't go there, change course, and steer clear. 
That's what I that that's the way I would use it in 2021. Avoid sin, don't go there, change course. If you see it coming, change course, steer clear. Avoid it, don't travel on it, turn away from it, pass on. You know, there are some places you shouldn't go. There are some things you shouldn't do. There are some things you shouldn't say. There are some things you shouldn't watch. There are some attitudes you shouldn't have. There are some priorities that you need to change if you're going to walk the path of godly wisdom. And then Solomon winds up this teaching session to his son with a fascinating contrast between the two paths in verse 16 to 19. He says, For they do not sleep unless they have done evil, and their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. But the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter under the perfect day. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. You know, there, there is a doctrine that we call progressive sanctification. The word sanctify means to make holy. And sanctification is the process of becoming more holy. We become more like the Lord Jesus Christ and less like the world in thought, in action, in attitude, in behavior. So that is sanctification. That is the process of becoming more holy. And when we add the word progressive, progressive sanctification, we simply mean that we are growing. We are progressing in the process of becoming more like the Lord Jesus. That's progressive sanctification. And that is what Solomon is picturing here in verse 18, when he says the path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter unto the perfect day. The habits of holiness that you and I are developing as we walk the Lord's path are, are like sunshine that keeps getting brighter and brighter and brighter through the day. Through all of the ups and downs of life, through all of the daily challenges of relationships and work, if we are walking the path of the just, as he says, the, the just meaning God's, God's path of wisdom, God's path of righteousness, if we are walking the path of the just, things, he said, are going to get brighter and clearer and warmer and more beautiful. He said the path of the just, he said, is like bright sunshine. It just gets, it just shines ever brighter. It keeps glowing more and more into the perfect day. It's not that there aren't some hardships and trials, but the Lord is there. His wisdom is there. His grace is there. His presence is with us. And our values and our priorities continue to fall in line with God's values and priorities. So the path keeps getting brighter and clearer and warmer as the years go by. That is God's path. The contrast to that is that, is that the, the, the world's path is inclined towards sinful attitudes and behaviors. So, so rather than progressive sanctification, a person experiences progressive enslavement. Do you see what happens here? He says in verse 16, they don't sleep unless they've done evil. Their sleep is taken away unless they make someone fall. They eat the bread of wickedness. They drink the, they, they drink the wine of violence. Down in verse 19, the way of the wicked is like darkness. They don't know what makes them stumble. You see what is happening there? A preoccupation with evil 
leads to addiction, which leads to blindness. That's progressive enslavement. I get preoccupied with evil things or with sinful things. It eventually winds up that I get addicted to those things, and then, and then I become blind to all of it. In other words, I, I, I am so hooked on myself and, and what I want and, and, and the way I want it that, that I can't go to sleep until I get it or until I do it or until I say it or until I watch it or until I drink it or until I inject it or whatever. I, I, I am totally preoccupied with my desires and my cravings and what I think is my rights and what I think is owed to me. And I am so preoccupied with it that I can't sleep. Then my preoccupation becomes my addiction. It's, it's, it's my food. It's my drink. I can't live without it. It's part of my life. It, it is so ingrained in me that, 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 that I have to feed my addiction. And I'm not just talking about substance abuse, certainly applies to that. But even far beyond that, it could be anger or bitterness or resentment towards someone or some situation. It could be any, any kind of sinful habit pattern. That my preoccupation with what I want and what I think I deserve and what I think I have to have will become addictive behavior. The next step is blindness. I've been on the wrong path for so long, it has gotten so dark that my life is headed for ruin, and I can't figure out why. That's verse 19. The way of the wicked is like darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Other people may look at us and say, man, that guy needs to change course, or he's headed for disaster. But we just keep rolling down the highway to hell and can't figure out why life is so miserable. Why do folks do that? I know a lot of people do that. Somebody just knocked on our door just a couple of days ago who is walking the path of darkness. They're, they're, I've never met this person, never seen them before. And uh, they were stopping by to ask a few things and look for some help in a certain, some certain areas. And they, they talked and 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 told story after story after story after story of how good they were and how much they'd help people and their life's falling apart and everything's going to pieces on them. They're blind. They're walking in darkness and they do not know what makes them stumble. See, preoccupation with me and my desires will lead to addictive behavior. And then it will lead to blindness. It's the principle of the path. God's path grows brighter and clearer and warmer. The world's path of preoccupation with self and addiction to me and the resulting blindness leads to enslavement. And you're walking one of those two paths. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, hopefully by God's grace, you are walking the path of progressive sanctification. But many people get on the wrong road. And they are walking the path of progressive enslavement. They get preoccupied with something that I just, just got to have it. I just, I just have to have this. And it's all centered around me and my desires. And that preoccupation turns into an addiction. It becomes what we have to, I mean, we just cannot live without it. And then our life starts going to pieces and we look around and we're, and we're blind to what's happening. Because we're walking in darkness and we can't see what's making us stumble. 
But you know what? It's, it's, it's never too late to turn around. If you are still breathing, you can change paths. It's never too late. It, it, it takes humility. It takes submission to God. It takes recognizing our own sinful desires are the problem. And that's the problem. It's our own sinful desires. That is our problem. We become so preoccupied with what we think we want. We become so preoccupied with me and what I think my needs are and what I think my rights are. And when we come to the Lord in humility and submission and say, Lord, I'm the problem, as the old southern spiritual used to sing when I was a kid. It's me, it's me, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my father, not my mother, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. When we finally look at ourselves in the mirror and say, Lord, I have made a mess of my life. I am on the wrong road. i got to change tracks. These, 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 these wagon wheel ruts are taking me the wrong direction. i got to get in the wagon wheel ruts that are taking me toward Jesus. It's never too late to turn around when we are willing to, to come to God and recognize that it's our sinful desires that are the problem and we come to Christ for forgiveness. It's never too late. There's a story told of a young girl who accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. Say, young girl, she was in her older teenage years. She wanted to become part of a local fellowship. <clears throat> and uh, some of the older men in the church and the elders in the church were, were asking her questions about her salvation. And they said to her, well, young lady, were you a sinner before you came to the Lord Jesus? She said, oh, yes, sir, ab absolutely. I mean, that's why I came to Christ. I realized I was a sinner and I came to Christ. He said, well, are you still a sinner? She said, well, you know, to tell you the truth, sir, the more I learn about the Bible... The more I learn about the Lord Jesus Christ, the more I realize I'm a bigger sinner than I ever thought I was before. The deeper I get into God's Word, the more I realize how sinful I am. He said, well then, can you explain to me what life change you've actually experienced since coming to Christ? She said, well, I'm not quite sure how to explain it other than to say, I used to be a sinner who was running after sin. Now I'm a sinner running away from sin. <laughs> I like that. It's great. We're all sinners. Are we sinners chasing after sin? Or are we sinners running away from it? She changed paths, see? She used to be on the path chasing sin. Now she's on the path running away from it. By God's grace, any of us can change paths. You can change your path. I don't know what path you're on. I know what path some of you are on or what you tell me you're on, but I don't know your secret struggles. I don't know what happens in your mind. I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. I see what you are at church. I see what you are when you talk to me. I see sort of the direction you seem to be going. And I think there's a bunch of you. You're, you're on those wagon rail ruts. You, you, you are headed for progressive sanctification. You, yeah, you are moving closer and closer to the Lord Jesus Christ all the time. But what's going on down in your soul and the wrestlings and the struggles of what's happening there, I have no idea. But God does. And I encourage you, get on the right path and stay there. The path of the just is like the shining sun that shines ever brighter 
unto the perfect day. What a beautiful verse. It just keeps getting clearer and brighter and warmer and more beautiful as you walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Despite all the troubles and headaches and heartaches of life, it just keeps getting more and more clear and more and more bright and more and more beautiful as you follow the Lord Jesus. Get off that track that goes from preoccupation to addiction to blindness. And get on the trail for the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't be the sinner running after sin, but now be the sinner running away from sin, coming toward Jesus. By the grace of God, you can change paths. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask you for your help, your grace, your mercy. Lord, I don't know what people wrestle with in the darkness of the night, in the quietness of their private moments, in the wrestlings of issues of life. I, I, I don't know what happens in their hearts, but you certainly do. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to find those wagon ruts of holiness, habits of holiness, May we create them. May we walk in them. Spend our lives on the path of the just where the light just keeps getting brighter and brighter and brighter. Lord, we pray for our friends and loved ones who are on the wrong path going the wrong direction. Many many cases they don't seem to have any idea why their life is what it is. Lord, may we shine the light of the gospel with grace and mercy from the Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, to walk the right path. And may we remember the principle of the path and teach it to our children and our grandchildren. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.